0: so you're talking to me just one day afterwards is that uh diu is restructuring and so ensign which was a separate entity will now be uh integrated into into diu so i'm just transitioning now to my new role which is as the uh, deputy director for digital platforms and the developer ecosystem and this is congrats yeah thank you and it's something i'm really really passionate about which is that, you know, we leave so much innovation on the table out there in America, right? And, you know, and I'm really proud to say that ensign that we have 37 representatives, you know, spread out across the United States, bringing that innovation in and they're working with universities every day and they're working with uh, the, the startups and in the innovation community. Bringing in those technologies and bringing in the talent, and, uh, and still it's so little. You know, still we're only in half of the United States.
1: Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolava, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is editor in chief, Amy Kluber. Hi, Amy. Hello, Alex. So you had the opportunity to chat with Cheryl Ingstad, Deputy Director, Digital Platforms and Developer Ecosystem, Defense Innovation Unit. How'd it go?
2: It was great. Cheryl is an awesome person. She has such a cool background and I'm excited to have her explain kind of her history and journey through technology.
1: Great, and speaking of that journey, I believe that Cheryl recently changed jobs. Is that correct?
2: Yes, actually. Um, she was like two days into her new job when we interviewed, and oh, wow. Defense department's doing some restructuring around like their innovation arms. so the Defense innovation unit basically got elevated and It's reporting directly to the secretary and Within that, they absorbed NSEN, which is the National Security Innovation Network, where Cheryl was managing director. And so they're kind of going through a lot of change right now and rebranding, but the mission really is the same. So I'm really excited to dig into that.
1: And what was Cheryl's experience going into these roles?
2: She has kind of a nice split between defense and commercial.
0: I have both a a kind of a nice mix of half. Commercial background, and then half in in the DoD, and even well one year over at Department of of Energy. So I was a Army reservist for 24 years, and in that capacity, I I did really went through many of the ranks. So I was a private all through you know junior sergeant to senior sergeant or sergeant first class. So senior NCO, and then also I was uh, commissioned as as an officer. So I was also uh, lieutenant and 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 captain. And then I also had a civilian DOD career at Defense Intelligence Agency. So I was GS nine through through GS fourteen, and my background as a you know military officer is really uh, intelligence officer and then signal officer. And then my last uh, position at DIA, I was working in in information operations, which is Fascinating, um, by the way. And then uh, I also had fifteen years in the private sector. So I ran uh, businesses and did business development in a Fortune One Hundred company, and that includes running a subsidiary overseas as as a managing director. So I've run a global business from the U.S. and then I've run uh, international business from from overseas. And then I think what's particularly pertinent to what we're doing at at Ensign and in DIU is that I also ran uh, a business that sold to the the armed forces. So I know what it's like to have to deliver to the armed forces to, you know, the high criteria that they have. And I've also experienced the bureaucracy aspect and, uh, you know, all the highly complex um, uh, contracts and how that's all managed. So. That's, uh, so that half and half background, I, I think is is good coming into Ensign, which is an organization, which is a DOD organization, right, that reports up through DIU, Defense Innovation Unit, to the Secretary of, of Defense. And so I've been able to see the innovation dilemma really from both sides. And that's like, well, you know, how hard it is to run these complex government contracts and how hard it is to be you know, on, on the, uh, outside in a private sector company and, uh, to deal with the types of requirements that you might have, like say in a cost plus contract, uh, do you really have the accounting system? Do you, you know, you almost need a team just to respond to all the contracting questions and do RFPs and it's highly specialized, uh, knowledge. And these are things that, you know, if you're a defense contractor, of course, by, uh, you know, by default, you have all that capability, and and you know you've invested in those resources. But if you're a commercial company, you, you don't have it usually. And then if you're a startup, you absolutely uh, don't don't have that, and it's too costly to acquire. And then you know that really uh, skews a lot of these startups toward a commercial solution, even though they might have a dual use solution that could, would be great for the for the DoD, and they just kind of close it off and say that's too that's too hard for me. I don't have that expertise. That would be too expensive to, to gain that expertise.
2: So over these next few months, as Ensign is kind of getting integrated into DIU, going through a rebranding, she's going to focus on specific things in her new capacity that I'll let her talk about.
0: And so my uh, job in the next few months is to just focus on what do what do we already have in the DOD? Because there are numerous uh, DOD organizations that that are working in this space and they do have a, a, a software platform that they use and in a way even AI that they apply to analyze the, the information and to connect to, you know, their a DOD scientists or in a command or collaboration space also exists. And so my, my really task in the next few months is to evaluate all of those and also understand what the requirements are in DOD, coordinating everything among the community, working with the CDAO's office, and really come up with a plan where, whereby how do, we, uh, how do we prioritize and you know, get the functionality out there that we need so that we can scale it. And, and that's, uh, that's really, really exciting.
1: So we can't go a single episode without talking about our favorite topic, artificial intelligence. How is AI impacting the defense space, according to Cheryl?
2: This is very interesting because she led a lot of programs where she was like bringing AI innovation into the agencies, such as at the Energy Department and in the defense space. She's taking what she experienced in both military and the commercial side to kind of bring that into defense now. So she'll talk about that. I know you mentioned AI, you do have quite a background in AI. That's kind of understating it. So you stood up the Energies AI and Tech office. And I know at 3M you led commercialization efforts in AI. So how has that kind of carried over into this new post in this defense ecosystem?
0: Gosh, what a what an experience to be in the private sector and really in a commercial company you know, after having really grown up in the DOD because I enlisted when I was 17 mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, all through college and everything, you know, I was a, a reservist. And then I, right after college, I went into being a, a DOD civilian and being an intelligence officer overseas and back here in Washington. And so, you know, I, I only knew DOD and so to really learn business and what's important. So, and then that kind of leads to, to AI, um, how important it is that you know, we collect all these data sets and that we also apply AI to have the the insights that that we can get from it and also to improve our, our processes, whatever, whatever they are, the outcomes. And, and then the important that it's it's really ethically managed, uh, explainable. And, and part of that is, and, and I don't hear this being talked about as much, how we have to monitor it routinely. So you know you have a data set. it should be tested for security and everything at the beginning. and is that really uh, the the right data set training data for this AI algorithm? That algorithm, by the way, so what's the provenance of the data set and all that? What's the provenance of this algorithm? and and is it r- really you know clean from any kind of like say foreign uh, intervention or um, compromise? Okay, we'll, we'll use that. But then what kind of drift will we have over time? And, and, you know, decide ahead of time, when are we going to check this again? Is it in two months? Is it in one year? And so that it doesn't uh, drift over time and, you know, it passed all the tests in the beginning, and then later we're getting horrible outcomes and we don't understand Why? Because, well, it was approved, you know, so that's that having this uh, monitoring system along the way is just really important. And then I would just emphasize I did say security, but security, security, wrap all of these, wrap good cybersecurity around them to keep them
1: uh, secure. Given Cheryl's innovative background, I know investing in new infrastructure and programs and such, must be a priority. So how does Cheryl approach getting innovation in the door at DOD?
2: Yeah, it's a big beast, right? Like working for such a big department like DOD, it's there's a lot of bureaucracy. I mean, that's how government is set up. So she's trying to set it up in a way where it makes it easier to work with startups and kind of bring in that new way of thinking to the department. So she'll talk about that and how that looks like for NSEN and now DIU.
0: And so I, I think one like the way that, that we try to reach the, the innovation you know pockets in, in America is number one by being physically placed there. You know So we have the regional network team, the 37 people spread out across representatives spread out across the, the United States. And then we, we choose air, uh, you know cities where we put them to be, near okay, tier one research universities. A really healthy, vibrant innovation ecosystem there. So a lot of you know startups that they can interact with, and then uh, some DoD presence so they can also be walking in the doors of the the base or the DoD lab there and say, hey, what are your problems? Because we are very problem centric. So you know no, we don't send students on an internship without a problem to solve. Uh, we don't, of course, capstone projects. You know, they they have problems, but y- you know, uh, all of our venture programs. That, which is, some people ask, it, what is venture for you? What well, it just companies, um, you know, our startup companies, and particularly for us. But we don't uh, do any of those accelerator programs unless it's problem centric. So at the end, they have to deliver a, a solution. Uh, so, so task problem centric, and then working on the early stage companies, and then working with with talent, and then running high value programs. So we're we got the representatives co located with these, uh, you know, in a pockets of innovation across America, and with the universities, and then we have we run high value programs, and those are the accelerators. We run challenges where. Uh, students or companies can, can win a a prize. And by the way, often the way we structure those challenges, they can check the box for having competed and then go straight on to an other transaction, a direct contract without competing a second time. So that's a a really important secondary benefit of winning, winning a challenge. Uh, We have programs like Foundry and Forge where we actually turn it around. So instead of being faced directly out to uh, the innovation community in America and to the universities, we're uh, helping uh, a DOD lab commercialize their technology. And so we're taking uh, the the technology that they have and aligning them with the startups. and, and, And then not just, okay, here it is, but, it's something close to like a six-month program that we put them through, helping them. All. Okay, now you pick that technology. Now, how do you do a marketing plan? Now, you know, well, do you have to produce this? Do you can you find a manufacturer? Are you going to do the manufacturing, You know, huh? on and like take them almost through how how would you start a how would you start a business to support this technology that you just that that you want to commercialize from the lab, and then the lab is really happy to get the technology, you know, out of the lab and, and out into, uh, you know, in, into America. So uh, so we do programs like that. And then, uh, of course, the capstones with the universities, summer internships. And then also, um, I'm really happy to say that we have a partnership with DCTC, which is the, it's basically a civilian ROTC. And that civilian uh, ROTC program that they're standing up and it's it's with uh, acquisition and sustainment in in DOD, they're interested in our summer internship and the way that this is is when you when you look at a civilian ROTC, well, what do they do in military ROTC? They always have a summer camp, right? And they they send the cadets off to a, a base and they get to do things that real real soldiers, real officers do. and it's their first introduction to real military life, not just a a class at the university. And that's actually what this summer internship is, but for civilians. So they get to work in, for the, the summer, the students get to work in a defense department lab, they get to work at a command, they get to work with a war fighter, you know? And that's their first introduction. What would it be like to be a civilian working in national security, you know? So, yeah, and then we also have uh, programs where, again, focused in, internally in DOD called boot camps. So we do several, you know, about a handful of these per year. And that is where we help uh, DOD organizations become more innovative. So teaching principles of, of innovation and and how to solve a, a problem. And that is very transformative, I mean, and, and super popular. So, yeah, this uh, uh it's It's really uh, and you know a, a kind of a broad base of of programs that that we run, and also having the regional network team out there stationed a, across America. And I would say this that uh, you know when you get down to these programs, you'll find smaller n- numbers, right? I mean, when you consider what the demand might be in America, because um, we're a small small organization but in an accelerator at the end we might have ten or twelve in in a cohort. We do have about a couple hundred you know capstones across the the country um, you know challenges might have five or six winners and uh, you know it depends on the challenge how many uh, really participate summer internship we have about two hundred fifty this this year so but when you you know talk about uh, you know, larger numbers. Well, then you look at our regional network team, the end of the 37 individual station across the country. And there, what you see is daily without any program, they are connecting people and companies into the DOD on just a, 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 an an everyday kind of basis. Like uh, a company comes to them and says, Hey, I, I, I have this, we're doing 3D printed buildings and we sure would like to do one with the DOD. And then a simple introduction like, okay, here, let me introduce you to the Army. Uh, The Army says, well, not ready for that yet. And then the company comes back to our guy. Yeah, that didn't work. (laughs) Okay, well, let me introduce you to the uh, Texas military department, like the National Guard suddenly they get a contract with the Texas military department and they're building, um, 3d printed buildings there. Now that they have the prototype, uh, they, they get SIBRS, you know, the small business innovation research grants, they, two, two, of those. And then guess who suddenly wants to do, do barracks on the army base at Fort bliss, <laughs> the army. <laughs> so, you know, and, but introduction to a number of different organizations, no program, no, not, But so that is like what I would call the like daily bread and butter of our representatives. Uh, you know, um, that is just happening constantly.
2: I am interested to learn more about this, um, the accelerators. I know you mentioned it a couple of times. So the Propel Accelerator, you know, a recent cohort partnered with SOCOM, for example. How does that process look like to bring in these companies teach them how to work in the defense space, work with them on not just developing the technology at the end of the day, it's like just teaching them how to even work in a new environment. How do you determine how to fit in those startups and really make big impacts?
0: Oh, yeah. And by the way, this is one of our signature programs is is Propel. So, the, uh, so first we have a mission partner. Again, because we start with a, a problem, so they pick a, a topic. So, for instance, recently we had uh, IndoPaycom, and they picked the topic of um, of communication systems. So, so we we get the mission partner on board and the topic identified, and then the uh, application. So, in that particular one, I think we had close to two hundred fifty uh, applications. And we got down to I think 12 in the final uh, cohort, but we run a, a number of propels, just you know the, a few per year. We are also doing a uh, Propel EDI, so Economic Development Initiative, which I'm really, really proud of uh, that that we are are you know having a few uh, propels that are focused on on this, which is they're targeting the economically challenged regions, and so. What you know, would be defined by the uh, hub zones, the historically underutilized business zones and uh, and we're partnering with the Air Force and their spark cells as the uh, as the as the mission partner. so so that's kind of how we uh, how we set it up. high value program, um, big part of our budget. Um, and it's a twelve week course. and uh, and the companies that have come out of it have been quite successful. so, in uh, 2021 and 2022, these companies uh, achieved, afterwards, 168 million of private capital and 50 million in DoD funding, which is is pretty significant. I mean, a lot of these companies are anything from you know like two two to four people, so uh, so they've really had success afterwards. And I can tell you that IndoPaycom one just closed in May, and uh, IndoPaycom wants uh, is trying to find figure out how to get four of them on contract. So that's that's pretty so you can see what the benefits are of working through a 12-week process that it, again trains them on like how to be a dual use company and how to market to the military, how to find what part of the military that your solution fits and what kind of testing might you have to do considering the type of technology you you have, what testing might be required, and then those introductions to the mission partner, who's really the the sponsor and the and the mentor, right of of propel. So it, that makes it easy, and it's it's really great because it's you know it's exposure for both sides. Like Indo wouldn't normally uh, get to meet these companies in in the normal course of their business because. I mean, the real process is they go to their contracting office, right, and they say, "Hey, uh, find me this technology." And then back to our discussion about the contracting office may not be very exposed to these type of uh, you know pockets of innovation in America and, and where to find these companies and who has what. And it's highly fragmented, so it's not a, a ding on them. It's it's just it's very fragmented, you know. So to have a a cohort like this that is you know offered up. On the plate to uh, IndoPacom, what I think it does is it really helps to a- accelerate the, the the speed at which IndoPacom or any mission partner can pull these solutions in to the DOT, and and it's just something that I've emphasized a lot when I talk to the CTOs or you know chief science officers at at various uh, commands is, you know uh, don't ignore early stage companies and think, I, I can't deal with a startup. I need something now, you know, uh, I'm talking about this year, you know, I said, because it's really about speed, you know, Uh, I mean, how fast can you mature a technology? And that's where, you know, that, that can be very surprising. And while certain ones, maybe you can't mature them so quickly, there are others, uh, where it it can be done and uh if it's really needed there are ways ways to do it so but they wouldn't otherwise have that exposure except uh through through the propel program and so i just wanted to add also that we have Propel boston open right now applications close august 1st and um the uh and this is uh us socom is the uh is the mission partner
1: So it's one thing to have all of this procurement of innovative technologies, but it's another thing for it to actually be successful. So what does mission success look like when it comes more from this investment and exploration angle in terms of technology development?
2: Yeah, in the end for defense, it's really about bridging that valley of death. I mean, we hear that a lot. In the context of DOD innovation, a lot of technology is brought in, but then it just dies. And this is something that DIU is trying to work to overcome. So she talks about this as far as what mission success looks like. She'll go into that and kind of discuss how a company moves through the process and how she's envisioning the future for that.
0: When you're talking at this early stage, we're talking about surviving the valley of death. So if you look at it in just a, a couple, two, three year period, it's about did this company that has a dual use solution, did we help them to survive the valley of death? You know, and usually that means uh, getting some validation for their product, you know, so some kind of probably testing uh, it um insight into what direction to develop it, because it's so early stage, and then also the financing. So often, again, we're talking about, you know, very, very small early stage companies. So how to get them the funding that that they need. So is that a small business innovation research uh, grant and where we help, again, make those introductions for them. We don't actually issue SIVRs or anything like that, uh, introducing them to the right uh, venture capital uh, companies who would fund them uh other DOD you know organizations that have R&D not all R&D money as differs so there's other you know R&D opportunities and even more broadly in the US government so sometimes it's a connection to to NASA where where they get they get funded so uh so surviving the valley of death and then the other is to actually get on contract with DOD, providing that service or or product that that they have. So ultimately, that's where why we want them to survive the valley of death is so that they can get on contract and deliver a service or product to DOD. And that, you know, and that is where the rubber meets the road is, did they finally, you know, at the end, survive to deliver that service or, or product. So that's, that's critical. And that's where the Core of DIU has has been uh, you know intensely focused is how do we get those uh, how do we get that technology into DoD that the Defense Department cannot get through their regular uh, partners right now. For sure. So yeah, and and so to do that, the, like I said, we have the regional network team spread out across America to engage with these companies and the talent, and then uh, we have a data cell where we collect the. The data that's how i can say you know two years of propel uh cohorts have achieved 168 million in private capital and 50 million in in you know dod contracts that's that's how how we know that and then we have a transition cell that always uh is standing by to support companies that come into our network whether it's through one of the regional network team members out there across the country or whether it's through uh, through one of our programs. So let's say they were in, you know, a Propel iteration one or two years ago, they can still come to our transition team and say, hey, I, I got this far, but now I need some help and need some advice, need some connections, whatever. Uh, And also, you know, they'll do things like listen to the pitch of a company before they go to uh, VCs. They do introductions to VCs. So, again, help them continue to develop and survive the the valley of death. And so I'm really happy to say we have, uh, you know, on the NATSEC 100 from the Silicon Valley Defense Group, we have five ensign companies out of the
1: 100 So what's next for Cheryl in the new setup with DIU? Anything stand out in particular?
2: I really liked what she discussed about Ensign. You'll hear it in her answer several times, were it not for Ensign, this particular thing couldn't have happened. So she's definitely seen a lot of successes and use cases for some of these programs, you know, working in the context of DoD. And what that means for the future is really exciting. So I'll let her describe that.
0: Well, yeah, so it has been uh, such an honor to to lead Ensign, and, and it has been a tremendous learning experience for me, too, to get close to uh, the talent in America and and the amazing innovation that, that we have, too, and, and how patriotic people are, and they really want to serve their country or, you know, provide this this technology, even though sometimes it can be Pretty daunting and 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 challenging, and so I'm I'm really uh, you know that has given me a a, a lot of mo- motivation as as well just just to work with them and and I would say this it comes down to one sentence as far as and that I heard over and over again whether I talk to students whether I talk to early stage technology companies and whether I talk to Uh, You know, mission partners, I mean, I remember talking to uh, a, you know, officer at the PEO program executive office, uh, Stry, down when I was visiting uh, Orlando University of Central Florida. And he said this, like, were it not for ensign, I would not have had this solution at such a low price so quickly. He said, I I reached out to our regular, you know, defense contractor and said, Hey, I need this pyrotechnics delivery vehicle so that we can use it out in the the field when we do, you know, exercises. And um, and they said, Yeah, you know, two or three years and a few million dollars. And he said, I I, you know, I gave it to your students on a capstone. I, I went to your ensign, you know, dir- director here, and and I, I gave it to the students. And in the first semester, for a thousand bucks, they had a a uh, prototype for me. And then I, you know, just uh, uh, continued it into the second semester with them. And now we've got a a final prototype. And then he made it. They made it a program of record. So you know, a a, a handful of students created uh, an extremely low low cost, you know, solution for him that was, um, you you know, ready to go into a program of record. I mean, my goodness, sometimes it takes years to get a program of record, you know, and uh, so low cost and extremely uh, quickly. And so I, I hear that over and over that were it not for ensign this would have never happened you know I would not have had this option I, I wouldn't have gotten it so quickly it would have cost ten times more you know this is amazing and then I get to hear it from the the students and and from the the small companies too you know I would have never gotten that cyber grant or I would have never gotten that uh, contract with uh, you know the the Air Force or the Navy were it not for ensign that made the introduction for me. Or that, you know, gave me uh, the opportunity to participate in a in a Propel or an emerge program or a or a challenge, you know, like a distributed spectrum, a, a company I just met last week. You know, they said, you know, were it not for Ensign, I mean, we were just two students at the university, and we applied to to this, uh, you know, challenge, and, it, it, and and then the mission partner liked it so much, and that was enough support to then get them into a propel. And then they went through the propel and two, two students, I mean, not a business. Okay. (laughs) Learned then how to create their business. Now they are a business and, you know, just starting on, on their uh, business journey, but the uh, DOD really, really likes their solution. So you know, uh, were it not for ensign and and so that's that's how I feel about Ensign. and now you know this will be a very important capability within DIU. And, and the beauty of it is is that while we've been two separate organizations, you know one subordinate to the other now being integrated in, we will have what what I see Ensign is is you know, the open funnel at the top of the innovation in America and bringing that innovation in through our regional network through the uh, through the programs and now through mission acceleration centers the the physical you know open door offices that we'll set up across the country and then you add on this new what I'll, what I'll be leading that I'm so excited about is you know the digital on on ramp in working with our partners across DOD to uh, to develop you know, something that is much more uh, coordinated uh, approach so that we can bring on in volume and really, really scale it. Uh, and so I'm I'm really excited about uh, the, the future and having this one organization as DIU where you can bring in the top of funnel and then it's just seamless. It works its way over to what was the core of DIU, which focused on commercial off the shelf and pre a little, you know, Pre-commercial, off-the-shelf, too, doing you know prototypes, but pretty much ready, ready to go uh, technology, right? Well, we will feed right into that in this you know seamless way that when you're two different organizations uh, in two different chains of command and everything, uh, it's, it's just uh, uh, slower. Not that it didn't happen, but it, it's not as easy as when you're one organization and totally integrated. So. Uh, and, and then it brings more, more resources to being inside of a larger, a larger organization. So we're, we're very excited about this.
1: Thank you, Amy. That was a terrific conversation, a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, while I am very scared at the prospect of a valley of death, it seems like we are in great hands with Cheryl in charge. So before we wrap up our podcast, are there any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with?
2: Yes. So she did mention the Propel Accelerator program that they are undergoing right now. This next one's in Boston, and they are looking for applications by August 8th, which is really exciting. So hopefully they're able to get some cool new partnerships through that. But I'm going to be looking forward to see what comes of it.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Listeners can tune in next week for a brand new GovCast. But until then, that's all for today's episode. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave a review and a five star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova.
2: I'm Amy Kluber.
1: Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to GovCIOmedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And If you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at GovCIO.com.